We'd like to welcome you back to our current event and weekly Bible study for April 4th, 2010. This is part two. And this next article is entitled, Abortions Now Important Than Parental Rights. It starts out by saying, I never cease to be amazed at how absolute the abortion right has become. Women not only have a right to an abortion through the ninth month in many cases, but now so do the children. And they can obtain an abortion in some states without their parents even knowing they underwent a serious surgical procedure. Children can take an asp- can't take an aspirin without parental consent. They can't enter into contracts. They can't get their ears pierced without parental consent. They can't get tattoos. They can't get a driver's license or join the military. But Seattle school officials uh, conspired to obtain a 15-year-old's abortion behind her parents' back during school hours. And it's all legal. From the story, quote, the mother of a Ballard High School student is fuming after the health center on campus helped facilitate her daughter's abortion during school hours. The mother, whom Como News has chosen to identify as Jill, says the clinic kept the information, quote, confidential. When she signed a consent form, Jill figured it meant her 15-year-old could go to the Ballard Teen Health Center located inside the high school for an earache, a sports physical, or even birth control but not for terminating a pregnancy. Quote, she took a pregnancy test at school at the Teen Health Center. She said nowhere in the paperwork does it mention abortion or facilitating abortions. So that's the, well, that's one of the, the ways the devil's working now in, in order to kill babies is, is through this particular practice. And uh, again, you know, Planned Parenthood, Planned Parenthood is very happy over the health care bill that just got signed despite this executive order, which they claim has no teeth that Obama signed in order to placate pro-life, uh, I don't know, I think it was Democrats. Uh, it's pretty much a joke, in other words. So again, just more things that we should be praying about regarding these things, regarding Planned Parenthood and their funding, uh, as this is probably the largest abomination that's going on in America right now is the abortion industry, in God's eyes, I believe. The next article is Mexican police forces turn to voodoo, blood sacrifices on full moons to win desperate battle against violent cartels. This is how bad it's, it's getting in the world. Police in Tijuana, a city just south of the U.S.-Mexican border near San Diego, have resorted to strange rituals which include animal sacrifice and spirit tattoos amid claims they are, quote, running scared of the savage trafficking gangs. During the rituals, priests slaughter chickens on full moon nights on beaches and smear blood, and smear police with the blood while using prayers to evoke spirits to help protect them from the drug cartels battling over smuggling routes in California. Uh, now, I've said in times past that the coming one world essence of the, of the world, coming one world religion of the Antichrist is going to be witchcraft. And here we're seeing this actually being implemented in a, in a police department. This is unbelievable. Mexico has been gripped by a wave of drug-related violence since Felipe Calderon, the Mexican president, declared war on the drug cartels almost four years ago. The country's drug barons have engaged in an increasingly bloody battle as they vie to demonstrate their power and ruthlessness. They have infiltrated local forces, bribing corrupt police and civil officials. While hitmen armed with automatic rifles, grenades, and rocket launchers are regularly seen paying visits to those who refuse to engage with the gangs. The raging war has left many police in cities, including Tijuana, considered one of the country's deadliest in fear of their lives, with many told they will get a bullet if they say no to requests. More than 150 police officers have died throughout the area over the last few years. So again, they're trying to use evil to battle evil which is what they're doing. They, they could say, well, we're using white witchcraft to battle black, which is a very common theme you'll see with people that get involved with witchcraft. They're like, oh, we only do good magic. We, we're white. We're Wicca. And then you have the gray and the black. And people that get into witchcraft ultimately end up finding out, in their eyes, that the true power lies in the black. And that's what the devil does. He gets you in one way and moves you uh, in the other direction invariably. So, this is what's going on now in the world. Just unbelievable. Um, this article is entitled, Cops and the CPSC's Child from Parrots for Mistrusting Government. Uh, 
uh, a family in Williamson County, Austin, have lost custody of their seven-year-old as part of a Child Protective Services, or CPS, investigation because the parents taught their children to mistrust the government, an action that deemed them to be, quote, unsuitable parents, according to charges leveled by police officers in the CPS documents. And again, as I said before, I've had people request to do a teaching on this, and that's why I wanted to include this in today's, because this is one of the most wicked factions of government in America. Drug reform activist filmmakers Barry and Candy Cooper recently had their homes raided and searched by police after authorities claimed Cooper's voice had been heard in the background of an allegedly false police report. Once in the couple's home, officers discovered a small amount of marijuana and changed the Cooper charged the Coopers with a Class B misdemeanor, resulting in both of their arrests. Each immediately bonded out of jail, paid a small fine. Days later, while Candy's youngest son was visiting his father in East Texas, Child Protective Services contacted the Coopers, revealing that the incident could cost them not only custody of the boy, but also their freedom on child felony endangerment charges. Um... On the five pages of the CPS case report, police level the shocking claim that the Coopers are unsuitable parents because they teach their children that the government is out to harm them. How, I mean, you know, look at what we look at on a weekly basis. How could you not teach your, your children? Now, I don't believe these people are saved or, or born-again Christians or anything like that, but still, I mean, this is, this is insanity. And we're going to look at how bad it's gotten here uh, very shortly. On the six-page report, police accuse the Coopers of being aggressive to authority, why? Because they will not allow the government employees to enter their house without a court order. So in other words, we're just supposed to lay down and let the government come in and do whatever they want to us, not supposed to question anything, when the government by the day is growing more and more and more wicked, with the most wicked, one of the most wicked people on the planet as at least the figurehead, if nothing else, you know, communistic, socialistic, whatever you want to call him, Muslim, you know, Obama, at, at the head. And if the head is sick, the whole body is going to be affected. And, um, you know, it, it's just unbelievable what's going on. Now, this is a YouTube video of uh, Senator Nancy Schaefer being interviewed by Alex Jones. And I understand people say, oh yeah, Alex is this and that. Okay, fine. What we're doing is we're gleaning. Okay, we're gleaning from this information. It's not so much what Alex is saying, but what she is saying that I'm, we're trying to look at here. Okay, And, um, you know, I try to glean from different and various sources. There's a lot of sources we glean from that are totally secular. We can report on something that CNN even said. They're secular. They're, these aren't, and most of the times, even ministries that we cite from, none of the ministries are going to agree on every single point. Okay? And it's impossible to find news sources that are going to agree with you theologically on every point. It, it's, it's not available. If I were forced to do that, then we would have no more of these teachings ever. There would there'd be none. Because it's literally impossible. Okay, so understand, we glean here and we go. You know, glean and we go on. So this is Nancy Schaefer exposes corrupt business of the CPS. This is from... Um, I guess an interview from November 16, 2007. And she's at the Eagle, WW Eagle Forum. Yeah, Eagle Forum of Georgia. Um, and I give you all the links here on the thing here. And it's entitled The Corrupt Business of Child Protective Services. Uh, she was a senator in the 50th district. And I'm going to go ahead and just play a couple parts of this. And, and we'll hear what the senator has to say about this particular subject. I saw a YouTube video of her giving a speech, and in five minutes, she boiled everything down I try to explain about the CPS and the bounties on taking kids and how there's no due process. She states Senator 50th District. Um, Senator Schaefer serves a constituency in eight counties that make up 50, 50th District in Georgia. She's got a, a long, uh, you know, illustrious career out there fighting corruption. She's also the head in her state of the uh, Eagle forum and so uh, she now joins us and we appreciate her standing up eloquently and fighting this and so we appreciate uh, Senator Schaefer for coming on. Nancy it's good to have you here with us. Thank you it's good to be on with you. I uh, appreciate all you're doing. 
Thanks for holding while I was ranting for five minutes about uh, the DHS document saying veterans are the number one threat to Homeland Security. Yeah. Were you aware they're training the Boy Scouts for uh, gun confiscation? Well, you know, I've heard that they are training boys. I didn't know that it's Boy Scouts. That's Boy Scouts, school groups, public school groups. This is yeah. just one. What do you think of all the new uh, documents coming out demonizing veterans on a separate issue? Oh, it's awful. It's it's just it's just awful. It's unconstitutional and it's wrong, and you just can see the direction that we're headed. I got to be honest with you, Senator. I mean, I knew the globalists were evil, but it's even hard for me to believe they're this bold. Yeah, it is. I mean, training training fourteen year olds to go after the military. I mean, this that's right out of East Germany. That's right. This is that this is that community service that we're hearing all about. Absolutely. But it certainly has a, a different definition, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Uh, ma'am, uh, I'm going to try to just sit back and shut up because I'd like you to break down in, but with a little bit more time what you gave in that speech. I know you've given a lot, but I saw this particular speech of you, I believe, before the Eagle Forum, really laying out the facts of just how unconstitutional and Kafka-esque uh, the CPS is. Right. Well, it is unconstitutional, and... And I'm sure you have many listeners that know that uh, children are being taken away from their parents uh, in a ruthless kind of behavior by caseworkers and social workers and investigators. And, and uh, the bureaucracy is very huge that, in, that also includes lawyers and judges and therapists and others who, who uh, take these children from their parents uh, without a cause. And, of course, we know that money is being made uh, because of this and... And I'm convinced without a shadow of a doubt that our the parents across this country need to be warned of the dangers of the child protective uh, services nationwide. Um, you want me to just continue on, don't you? Sure, Senator. Lay it well, out. The, de- the Department of Child Protective Services has become a protected empire that we see going on around us, and it's built on taking children and separating families. Uh, as, a, as a matter of fact, I could throw in here now that uh, it appears to me that the family is going to have to be destroyed in order for the uh, one world government to completely develop. But this is uh, the taking of children by protected empire, um, and it's um, and this is this is not to say uh, today that there are not those children who are really being abused who need to be removed from the wretched situations that they may may be in. But it needs to be done through due process. Yes, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the families that are having children removed from them with no cause, and then there is no due process available to them after this has happened. And um, in in one county in my uh, district, I had 37 families brought together one Saturday morning in the library to allow them to, without any press and without any uh, child protective services pressure there, to tell their stories. And it was absolutely unbelievable to hear these parents, single dads, single mothers, telling their and other parents telling their stories of how their children had been picked up in the middle of the night off of the school buses, out of out of schools, out of hospitals, even while they are nursing, and the fa- these families had never seen those children again. They are you have never seen such agony, such suffering, and such crying. And we had fifty families standing outside the door that were not allowed to come in because we already had 30, 37 families inside. It was truly. Just seeing the work of the Gestapo uh, coming against these families and taking their children from them, never to be seen again. It was. Uh, now remember, this is a senator referring to these people as the Gestapo. So, pretty telling that she would actually make that statement. But it's it's that flagrant, and uh, we'll let her continue. Very very enlightening that day was when we saw what was happening in this one Child Protective Services Department in one county in my district in Georgia. And not only that, but they had a separate business going on where they required all of these parents to come in multiple times 
and have drug tests. And they charged the parents every time, so they had a separate business going on. They had already made over $100,000 in this business. Well, Senator, stay there. Let's come back and break down the abuses of the Bill of Rights Constitution. For those that don't know, they set up at the turn of the last century uh, these family courts that don't follow the Bill of Rights Constitution. They were actually set up to carry out racial hygiene, or uh, they were first called eugenics courts. And that's why uh, they're, they're separate, new, and outside of the Bill of Rights Constitution. It's all completely illegal. And it's come out in the news, all these family court judges are getting illegal kickbacks from the private CPS facilities because they're getting federal funds, and they pay the judges, in some cases, millions of dollars apiece. Uh, so that's all this is, is a bounty on your children. We tend to focus on the CPS workers. Uh, the real evil is the judges. They're, they're the ones making the big money and the private groups. Stay with us, Senator. You can run on Stay ahead of the Eagle Forum. State Senator, 50th District. Well, this is a apropos song to have coming on right now. You can throw your rock, hide your hand, working against the people, and it's just amazing. What the establishment are uh, doing is they work against their fellow man, always advertising, and it's for the children. It's a giant industry, and uh, really people but some nasty folks. There's some that just want the money of kidnapping the kids, but the others like to do horrible things with the children. That's been proven in all over the news. Senator, uh, so when did you begin to discover these horrors, and what has uh, uh, your fight been like? Uh, I mean, because I know discovering this back 12, 14 years ago and fighting it myself and getting calls at hospitals when a newborn baby's literally jerked off the mother's breast with no judge's order even. Uh, I mean, it, it shook me to the core. It's made me actually cry when you're around the families and see the pain, because it's worse than a death. When grandma dies, she's old, you love her, but you expect it to happen, and it's sad. But when you see families with the joy turned into a nightmare, with their with their young being snatched, it hits you at a core level. And uh, frankly, it, it, it tears your guts out. And, and then I'm going to be honest, then you want to kill people. Senator, uh, I mean, tell us about your journey and then, and then more of the horrors. Well, it has been horrible. It really has. And um, and let me just say up front here now that, that uh, my writing the, uh, the corrupt business of Child Protective Services, which you probably have read at some point or another, that prompted me, of course, to give the speech at Eagle Forum for the conference um, last year, the end of the year, um, uh, I lost my Senate seat over this. And uh, in in uh, working, and and let me say that distressed me that much. It's just uh, given me more time to work on this issue and and other issues. But now again, this uh, particular lady really paid the price. She lost her Senate seat over this. So um, you know, I believe that also makes her testimony all the more valid as well. She's given up quite a bit to, to be able to, put, you know, bring forth this information. And also, with this information, something that you might want to hearken back to is the teaching that I did on pedophilia, right, multi-part, horrific teaching that I did. And um, because we documented how all, in, in the highest levels of, of government and law and uh, the elite that this type of behavior goes on and this is one of the ways that they can procure children is through the CPS and these types of organizations and they can do it all supposedly legally and so this very this is very confirmatory to that teaching that I did previously um, in calling around the country to other state representatives and senators asking them would they help this family or that family that have been contacting me. Uh, they have told me that if, if they help, if they do anything, they will lose their job. Isn't that interesting? Oh, it's a mafia. And, of course, it cost me my Senate seat. But that's okay. That's okay. We're moving forward. We're exposing what has what is being done. 
And you mentioned a, a few minutes ago about the judges and the, and the money. I wanted to share with you that the Census Bureau has reported that in 2002, $40 billion in transfer payments were made between households. That money is under the direction and the control of family, of family court judges. And that's all on the tip of the iceberg, of course. That's you, right. You break this down so well, but there's bounties on children's heads. Yes, the there are. As a matter of fact, we just learned a few days ago that an, an order had even been placed to one of our Child Protective Services departments uh, for a particular kind of child that they wanted. So there is a bounty on these children. As a matter of fact, it, when you break it down uh, as to exactly what is happening, to promote these in financial incentives, you have to go back to the Adoption and the Safe Families Act that was set in motion in 1974 by Walter Mondale and then later was expanded upon by President Bill Clinton in 1997. And what this act did is it offered cash bonuses to the states for every child they adopted out of foster care. So in order to receive the adoption incentive bonuses, local child protective services need more children. They must have merchandise, which is the children that sell. Now, again, this is very confirmatory to the teaching that I mentioned that I did on the pedophilia, uh, because many times these sick, twisted devils will request a particular type of child, uh, whether it be, you know boy, girl, blonde hair, blue eyes, to satisfy their own corrupt desires. And this is more confirmation uh, of that point. So let's go further here. And you must have plenty so that the buyer can choose. Some counties are known to give 4000 to 6000 bonus for each child adopted out to strangers and an additional 2000 for special needs children. And, of course, this money just continues to follow the child and follow the child for years and years and years. And the employees work to keep those federal dollars flowing. And that's why 67% of children nationally, and that happens to be the average in Texas as well, we have the, Senate, the state hearings on this, are on multiple psychotropic drugs because once they give them a designation, then the cash amount goes way up. That's right. You're exactly right. You're exactly right. There's a baseline number. There's a baseline number that of expected adoptions based on population for each state. For every child at DHR or Child Protective Services or whatever it's called in your particular state can get adopted, there's this bonus of four to 6000 All right, Senator Schaefer, stay there. I'm sorry, we've got to break. That was a short segment. Long segment coming up. I want to get into what you just talked about, the ordering certain children. We know the blonde-haired, blue-eyed gets the top cash, and that's been confirmed. So they're trafficking in your children. How far down the line we are, how late it is. You know, it's hard to, you know, it's hard to talk about this subject. Listeners need to understand something. I've lived it. I've viewed it. I've watched it. I've been to family courts. Here in Austin, it's so corrupt. It's not just little kids they're grabbing. If you're late to class three times in Travis County, they charge you with truancy. Now, the state statute says it's way above ten unexcused absences in one semester. Last time I checked the law, it changes sometimes. But to the point is, it's a whole bunch of absences. But they have portable buildings built on, and they send these family court judges out, and they call the parents in in the morning, and they put this on CBS News. I mean, I knew it was happening, but it was on the news. They commit this crime right out in the open like it's good. And they say... Uh, you were late to class, and you're going to sign this agreement, or I'm going to put you in juvenile hall for six months. Now, the judge, she goes, for contempt, was Judge Jean Mir, who has huge facilities named after her. Talk about witch-like. And she was on there going, you understand? You know, with this face on TV, i got to find that clip somewhere. She's like, you understand me? And the dad's like, do what he says. And the kid's crying, I'm sorry I was late to class. I'm sorry. Then you sign. Now they've got you contractually. That was the trick. She couldn't have put you in jail. Now they've got you contractually, a further adjudication. Now you're in the system. Now they got you. And it's come out, judges all over the country, getting over a million bucks apiece in many cases. 
to put girls who were late to class in jail in Ohio or in Illinois. A girl wrote something bad about her uh, her principal making fun of him, and they arrested her and gave her six months in a labor camp. Remember that? We can pull it up right now if you don't believe us. And it turned out the judge was getting over a million bucks a year to fill the private prisons, and they were doing kickbacks. Oh, man, keep them coming. Oh, God, the federal money's incredible. Keep them coming. We need more. I mean, this is like Shawshank Redemption. So take my film in game, and then we're going to the senator. In there we have a clip from the state senate, and the representative uh, asked her, Susanna Hupp asked her, she says, why do you put 60-plus percent of the children on Prozac-type drugs? And, and, the, and the head state board uh, psychiatrist says, well, they have bad genes. There's no test for bad genes. They do. They just make it up. Anyways, I got to, ma'am, uh, please continue with the bounties, because we've, we've confirmed these, but you separately brought them up. For folks that don't know, the adoption agencies uh, put out little bounties. This is all even done on the up and up, but there's also a little under the table. Tell us about the bounties on people's children. Certainly, uh, these children come with bounties because we know that the, we know the incentives are available there. The federal incentives are available and they can be 4,000 or 6,000. But actually, there is a beginning formula in which each bonus is multiplied. And this sounds complicated. It really isn't. But this is what the states go by. Each bonus is multiplied by the percentage that the state has managed to exceed its baseline adoption number. Therefore, the states and local communities work hard to reach their goals for increased numbers of adoptions for children in foster care. So, therefore, you get to the end of the year and a... a, uh, Child Protective Services Department in some state or in a county there in the state may not have taken as many children as they need to, and they have a a their formula or their bonus uh, uh, increases on the wall, and it tells exactly how many more children they need by the end of the year. So it's just like a sales shop at a car dealership. They got the sales manager. You're not going to reach your goal, Bob. That's and, exactly and, right. That's listen, exactly right. In the cases I saw, in this one case, there was this auto mechanic and his young wife, and she had tested positive three years before. They don't tell you when you're at the hospital, they're testing your blood, and they go, oh, she's got marijuana in her. No nut, judge, no jury, no second test, no, no process. They come and take the blonde-haired, blue-eyed baby. Well, this is three years later, and so they contacted my show, and they said, we're pregnant, we're going back in the hospital, we just want to make sure they don't try to take them. They called. I leave the radio that day. I drive down there. I go in with the camera. The cops say, turn your camera off. I say, no. We open the door up, and the cop, and, and, and Mike Hanson was a witness to this. The camera doesn't pick it up very well. Mike Hanson was there. He got there even before me. And the cop actually had his hand on her neck making her sign it. You can't make this stuff up. This country's so gone, folks. Because they have special CPS cops just assigned to them who are particularly devilish. And they took the baby off her breast, the newborn baby, disappeared. And then we go to the court. They didn't even fill out the right name. They said the baby was three years old, that this lady had, had done all this abuse. They don't, they, the forms aren't just lies. They're so lazy and so criminal, they don't even care. They just use old forms and, and on, on, have you ever seen that, Senator? Well, I, I haven't exactly seen that. I do know that they take children right out of the hospitals, and sometimes they're one or two days old. But uh, the caseworkers and social workers oftentimes, very often, are guilty of fraud, and they do withhold the evidence, and they fabricate the evidence. And their whole goal is to terminate the parental right uh, of, of the parents. And um, parents are just left at the mercy and all of this in the best interest of the child, that, those words in the best interest of the child have been redefined. It's not in the best interest of the child. The bottom line is well, taking the children for money. And the law was written, for those that don't know, I'd like you to speak to this, because you're an expert on it, so you can speak to it. It was written to where, oh, we're supposed to keep the family together and give it to grandparents or the other spouse. Grandparents are now don't like how the parents are operating, they're, they advertise on TV to tattle. The grandparents go and tattle, and then they don't get the children nine times out of ten. Yes. There are lots of grandparents that 
that cannot get their grandchildren, even when it would be best if the grand say the say the parents are all, are on drugs. Someone does need to have access to those children, but oftentimes the grandparents are turned down. Now there there is a policy that you're supposed to to secure a, a relative immediately for those parents, but oftentimes that relative is never sought out. The the grandparents are never given the children. And uh, a stranger then comes in and takes over the lives of those of those children. And, and there is no, absolutely no financial resource or no real drive to unite the family back together or to keep them together or to provide any effective care for the family. That is completely mm-hmm. gone. Now it's just, it's destroying the family. Well, right out of high school... I learned about this because for a summer I worked for a large carpet cleaning place. And we would go to these houses, because, you know, we might go to six, seven, eight, nine, ten houses a day sometimes, and I'd say, what is this? And it'd be an up, usually a middle-class house, five-bedroom, parts of it'd be nice, there'd be rooms locked, there'd be kids walking around, in, you know, in shorts with their shirts off, you know, ages three to ten, there'd be marijuana smoke, there'd be some fat, it always looked the same, some some pervert-looking per- adult. And then, and then the, you know, because you'd be in a two-man team, and, and I was with the older guy who knew about it. He goes, oh, this is some foster parent house. And I'm not attacking all foster parents, folks, but I saw what it is. It's lazy potheads or alcoholics that get four or five kids, and that's their business, is they warehouse them, and they're always getting caught killing them or locking them up or giving them one hot dog a day, bread and water, because they want all that money for their drug habit. And that's why I've seen statistics of foster parents being five times more likely to abuse children than any other group. You're exactly right. The children are much more likely to be abused in foster care than at home with their own with their own parents. The, the beginning of this journey for me began with a grandmother who was trying to get her two granddaughters in one of the counties in my district. The Child Protective Services had removed the two little girls from their mother, who was very young. And uh, they based it on the, the fact that there was an unopened can of beer in the front of her car. They took these two little girls over to an adjoining county, put them in foster home over there where they had 18 children, all kinds of little rooms downstairs in the lower level of this home. And one of the caseworkers... In that county was a pedophile of who lived in that home and and regularly sexually molested the children who were in the foster care. Ugh. When this came up in court, I went to court with this grandmother and sat in the back of the courtroom. And we had a good attorney that day who pulled the walls down, who cross-examined one of the older children in this foster home, and she admitted that there was an inappropriate relationship between the foster mother and the caseworker. And then it got a little worse, and then the juvenile court judge got all nervous and said, counsel, meet me in my chambers, and they went out and stayed five minutes and came back, and and our attorney just looked at us and out loud said, it's nothing but legal kidnapping. That's all it is, legal kidnapping. But let me tell you what happened. Did they get the child back? We pressed. Uh, it's called defects in Georgia. And we pressed and pressed and pressed. The judge said those children will be removed within within a week. Well, a week was gone, ten days was gone, the children were still there. We kept leaning on them to get those children out of there. And, and um, out of the blue, someone called this grandmother in Florida to tell her, that they were bringing the children from Georgia to the state line, which she drive up to pick them up. She, of course, said she would be there. She got the children. They didn't have any clothes. One was not wearing shoes. Mm-hmm. She took them home. And within three days, that juvenile court judge drew up a new order. And she gave the two little girls to their father, who lived on the West Coast, who had never been involved in their lives, and who was involved in adult entertainment. I pulled his business up on the Internet. Pornographic. Awful. That's why they gave it to him. And in fact, you come to the next point, Senator. With, within three days, that father was knocking on the door of that grandmother 
and took those two little girls screaming and crying to the West Coast. Well, it's better than that in that death pit down there in that house with all those little kids. Now, right. Now, now for right. those that don't know, I found out about this because I walked into these pits. And I probably only saw that summer seven or eight of them, but, I mean, they were all the same. That's and, horrible. And, 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 and literally, they're hell pits. And, and, and I'm, Senator, you notice everything I've told you, you've seen the same thing because we've had the same similar experience, you know, yeah. fighting this. And I, and I just do it a little bit of the time. I, frankly, I psychologically shy away from it because it's, it's so... Well, it just it makes does me feel take its toll on you. It makes me feel very aggressive. Uh, it makes me want to. But the point is, is that when it comes right down to it, how many Homeland Security deputy directors of states have been caught with little kids? How many senators and congressmen, you know, with the pages? And how many DHS officials, you know, that want to stop child abuse? It turns out are pedophiles. When you get down to it, you got a couple groups. You got parents that were. I mean, uh, you got children who were abused. Who think that, that all parents are abusive and they're gonna they're gonna punish the family? Because I went to, to college with some people that were going to be social workers and they you'd be out drinking beer and you, and the girl would say, you know, I just can't wait to take kids from these bad parents because I was abused. So there's those mentally ill people. Then there's pedophiles who want access to kids and then there's scumbags that just want money. And I gotta say that's basically what makes up CPS in my experience. And I think. I, from what I've seen, I'd probably say 30% of them are pedophiles. And I mean, and the problem is this crime rate, this crime spree is just in, is growing. Yes, so, it is. So, so can you comment on that? And where is this going? How do we stop them? Well, I, I would say that there there are definitely are pedophiles in the system. There's there's no question about that because we know where there's children, there are pedophiles. Uh, you know. They're in schools and they're in churches and they're everywhere where they can get their hands on children. So we know that that's true. And it's it's got to be brought to an end. It's got to be completely exposed for what it is. And in my opinion, it needs to completely be uh, completely be dissolved. I, I don't see any good left in Child Protective Services. As far as picking up a child that's being totally abused, the police could do that. Uh, just as well as child protective services, and then you have due process, and and, and exactly, we'll take um, take Texas. Did you hear about the Texas Youth Commission? I don't know. I mean, there's so many crimes. I would. I mean, I'm not knocking you. If you haven't. You're not uh, talking uh, about all those children in Texas that were t- picked up at one time. I uh, know that was with the Mo- that Mormon sector. Right. Did you hear about how the ch- how the how the child jails and, and the child facilities had organized? Uh, pornographic rings and, and like and like big rape parties for the children and, and the state police found out about it and then weren't allowed to stop it and now they forced the director out because he did the right thing. I have heard about that in other states, but I have not heard about what happened in Texas. No. Okay. Well, well, well. Here in Texas, uh, it, it, it came out that every major facility was doing stuff that people wouldn't even believe. You can read it in the mainstream news. Now they used that to pass a law for more money. For the agencies, I'm sure you heard about Florida, where it turned out the directors were pedophiles and yeah. 3,000 kids were missing and all that. What did they get? More money, more power. The, the incredible <laughs> thing is, the worse they get, the more money and power they get. It appears that way. It appears that way. But all of it is based on money, and that's where it's going to have to be cut off. The, the, the federal incentives have got to be cut off and, and be removed on a federal level in order to get this stopped. And that's where we go now in the closing minutes we have left in this interview, Senator. Um, and again, we can only come in and pray for you in this fight and, and, and then politically going after you. Solutions. But before we hit that, I wanted to finish up. Specific orders for specific children that look a specific way. I mean, you've now saying you're, you've discovered that. <clears throat> right, right. We, we have discovered that. We haven't discovered it in every state, but we've discovered it in many states. And we have so many... We have so many families calling that are absolutely delirious. They are so desperate. They do not know where to turn. And actually, they have no place to turn for help. And, of course, parents, the poorer the families are, those are the ones who are targeted because they don't have the wherewithal to fight the system or hire an attorney. And they are just caught up in it, and and, uh, many of them are because their children are blue-eyed or blonde are exactly what someone wants, and those families are targeted. So it, it, it is just heartbreaking as to what is going on and, wh- and what we've got to do in order to bring this to an end. 
You ever heard about what the former head FBI agent in Southern California discovered about the CPS even in the 80s? They have public auctions, closed auctions in Las Vegas with the kids on the block. <laughs> These people. Well, you know, we, do, we have some states now that put the children on, on, um, on the Internet, and you can just go through their pictures and choose the one you want. See how pure evil is just right out in the open now like it's no big deal. And then there are some children that uh, even if you might like to, uh, if, a, if a really good person who is really trying to help a child uh, will choose that child, oftentimes then, then they refuse to let these parents have the child. So if your motives are pure as the driven snow and you're trying to really help get a child out of that system and give them a new life, oftentimes, they won't let the children go, the child go. No, they want client houses where they warehouse the kids. A lot of times, locked up, and they've ruled. Oh, they're, they can legally lock them up and stuff. And these little cages. They only want client foster parents that want to run the money in and put them on drugs because that share with the local CPS. Right, right. It's just it is it is one of the most corrupt situations that we could ever have in this country and yeah well, what we need is to take the country back have mass trials and hang about 10,000 of these people high because this rivals the nazis by the way the nazis had cps that's how they started grabbing people's kids the year hitler was elected in 1933 he was a eugenicist we'll be right back with the senate okay so that's basically where we're going to uh end that particular part of the interview with nancy schaefer we're going to do another uh brief part next and um you know the bible's clear you know it would better if a millstone were hung about their neck and they'd be cast into the midst of the sea then you offend one of these little ones that believed in me that's what jesus said so you talk about being an offense to children in a in an absolute uh, abomination in the sight of god uh this is what we're dealing with here and it's reality and again i present these things not so we can wring our hands about them and, and and uh, although not to say that's not going to happen, but to to ultimately for to pray about these things and to pray that the Lord would intervene and pray for these children and pray that for their souls and, and even the people these foster parents, if it be possible, that their souls would be saved. But Lord knows if they're just going to continue in wickedness and um, these types of things, I would much rather the Lord deal with these people then I would rather have him let them go on in their wickedness, continuing to defile these little children. And there are some people that are just flat evil, and they're just always going to be evil, and that's the way they've always been, and that's the way they're always going to be. And the Bible will confirm that. When it says the wicked go astray from the womb, they speak lies as soon as they be born. The Bible talks about the wheat and the tares. And, you know, it doesn't ever talk about a tare converting into a piece of wheat. The tares being like the weeds that grow up with the wheat. And the Bible talks about where these are vessels of wrath fitted for God's destruction. And again, it's very, very clear on that. That there, um, there are wicked people that even in the book of Judah talks about they're actually ordained to this condemnation. Now, I don't quite understand that whole thing. But um, if God could tell... Uh, you know, a prophet that before I formed thee in the womb, I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Well, God knows us before he forms us. So, again, that's God's business. It's not mine. And these people that gravitate to these types of things, um, obviously, as we've seen, there's many, many wicked people that want to get put in these positions where they can be around these children. And not only that, they can actually profit off it. Not only are they being molested, but they're profiting. I mean, what an abomination from the pit of hell this we're talking about here. Um, the next article, and we're just going to play one part from this, is also YouTube, William Fane's shocking detail of Nancy, uh, Nancy's death, Nancy Schaefer's death. This is the lady we just heard out of you. Yes, she's dead now. She was just suicided, is the report that has come back. Uh, evidently, I guess her supposedly her husband killed her, and then I believe killed himself. And this just happened, and this is why Alex had her interview back up on there, because that was from November of 2007, the interview we just heard. This, is, this interview just took place on April 1st. Um, Alex talks with William R. Fain, executive producer of a grassroots production company based in Tennessee, 
Encompassing film, music, and marketing products, Mr. Fain was working on a film project with former Georgia Senator and CPS activist Nancy Schaefer before she was suicided by unknown assassins. Now, that's how Alex Jones has it written up. You'll see William and Fain says that he believes it was just her husband doing this. Now, I don't know. God knows, and I don't know if the truth will come out, but I've also given all the links to these people's websites if you want to go check them out further. So I'm going to go ahead and start this video now. I wish a buck was still silver. It was black. But the country Let's all sing along. Well, a few months Just ago, kidding. head of the Eagle Forum in Georgia, former state senator Nancy Schaefer, called my one of my producers a few times, and he, and he mentioned, he said, Nancy Schaefer wants to talk to you. And I get piles of these... And then didn't get her on. And now she's dead. But I'm just looking for the truth of what happened. It sounds suspicious to be shot in your back. Now, obviously, he did have her on in 07. This was after that happened. She wanted to get on, and then now she's unfortunately dead. And then the husband shoots himself in the chest. Most people commit suicide by shooting themselves um, in the head. But regardless of that, we'll talk some about that uh, with William Fain who uh, some of Nancy Schaefer's friends told us about. He's making a documentary about this. He had talked to Ms. Schaefer 48 hours before she died. Uh, he had talked to her husband. And very soon, um, in the next few weeks, he's going to be releasing this video. And uh, I know CPS hunts children. I know they get bounties for, say, a blonde-haired, blue-eyed child that they have operatives in daycares, in public schools, everywhere to take your children. I know they lie on reports. I know the federal government gives them bounties for the number of kids they're supposed to get. I know a lot of them have gone to prison for this. But Schaefer, up in Georgia, had been on last year and said she was really tracking down and had the evidence of them having bounties to grab completely you know, innocent family children away from them. And under the family court set up over 100 years ago in England, the last 90 years in the U.S., it's a eugenics court, a racial hygiene court. They would take your kids and sterilize them if you were poor. No judge, no jury, they just did it. They, well, not a real judge on a real jury. They had just a judge. And so I want to stick to what we can prove here, the investigation, the last things that she was working on, and so I can find out... Uh, what all this incredible information was she wanted to discuss on the air. And so joining us is William Fain uh, from Georgia. Uh, William, specifically, though, because you said you wanted to clear some things up, Rob Dew talked to you Monday, and you said, yeah, I, I do have some suspicions. But then since then, it's three days later, you now are saying some of those are allayed. So you've got the floor on that issue first about her death, um, dual suicide, whatever it is, murder, uh, because, well, go over that for folks, and then let's get into what you and her were working on. Okay, first of all, I'm from Tennessee, and you can just call me Wilkie. Uh, okay, but okay, but you're working on this in Georgia. I'm sorry, yeah, go ahead. In Georgia, uh, basically, when it, when I first got reported to me, I got it the report within minutes before the investigator even had gotten there because of my contacts. And the first report did make me feel very suspicious. I had a lot of the same feelings that I see post on the internet that it was an assassination. Because uh, the first report I got was Nancy's been shot and she's dead, Wilkie. And I said, well, you're going to find Baird, which is Bruce, close by, or that, or, some, or he's something wrong. And at that point, they had not, no one had told me that Bruce had been shot. So yes, I was very suspicious. And then we were up, of course, all night long. Uh, then they called and said Bruce is also dead. <clears throat> and the information I was given, it kind of started making me feel uh, that it was not an assassination. And throughout the weekend, the information poured in, and then by Monday morning, when Rob called me, I said, yes, I was suspicious at the beginning, now I'm not. And then after having a face-to-face -face meeting with several people uh, and seeing what the information is, I have 100% no doubt that it was murder-suicide. And it was not. Okay, now again, remember, this is his opinion, but there's a lot of other reports on the Internet about the oddities of this supposed suicide case. And if anybody would be a target for the elite, this lady would be. Because this is one of the main things that the Illuminati holds dear, being able to do this to these 
these little children and the pedophilia, and they want to keep it covered up. And if you have somebody as high profile as a senator who has essentially devoted her whole life and lost her Senate seat as a result of it to this particular cause, that is a formidable enemy. So, again, God knows the truth. I am sorry, I have a hard time with, with, with what just accepting what this man is saying here. And it, I, I'm not saying it's not his heartfelt conviction, but I, I also know there's some other uh, things that you could look at regarding oddities regarding this supposed suicide. Not a suicide pact. Nancy did not know what was going to happen. I'm convinced it, was, it was, had been planned for some time, uh, a couple of weeks in advance. And uh, uh, I believe anybody with uh, any neutrality in this that would look at it would see, come to the same conclusion. So, I want Okay, to well, how did you get into battling the CPS? How did you meet Nancy Schaefer? <laughs> Nancy had heard about me through a mutual friend. I traveled the country helping families out that had their children taken uh, between making movies. And I, had I said, I'm going to dedicate two years to this. I'm going to stop making movies. Well, my friend calls me up and says, this lady named Nancy Schaefer, this has been a year ago, wants to meet with you. So I went to meet with Nancy, and she gave me all this information. And she said, I've got the smoking gun, and, and she just gave me a ton of stuff. And I said, we've got to be friends. And when I checked it all out, I said, Nancy, you're telling me that pigs can fly, and I'm telling you pigs don't have wings. Some of this can't be true. About 70% of it proved to be absolutely 100% true. Uh, some of the rest of it was people just kind of going their their way with their, their message. So, and let me just add, though, from your bio, you're a, you're a credible uh, well-known person. We're not just talking to a random yahoo here. You came highly recommended from uh, Nancy Schaefer's friends. Uh, you've owned three race teams with NASCAR, started a sports magazine, also a radio talk show host about NASCAR-related efforts. And so you're a successful guy who's really set aside a lot of his time to fight the abuses of CPS. Go ahead. Well, well you, hit, you hit on the subject at first, there, when you said family court. My first movie was A Father's Rights. It's in 17 countries. It's about family court. That's what happened to me. It's in fact, story. we should have you up separately just about that. Exactly. You you have really stood up for families' rights. You, I mean, you've got a long track record. This is what I fight for nationwide. I've got cases that I help out across the country. And Nancy gave me the leads. She would call me up and say, there's this family down in Florida that these facts took their kids while they're here looking. They're scared to come back into Georgia. What can we do? Or uh, I can now release the, some of the information that she didn't want released up until this past week. But on the 30th of this past month, the day before the funeral, I traveled down to Blairsville, Georgia, and myself, an attorney in Tennessee, filed a lawsuit against DFACS and a gentleman by the name of Lee Cothran. Lee Cothran, uh, some of the people that's listening to your show is going to recognize his name. Nancy had been tracking him down for several years and could not find him. He was accused of molesting uh, 13, 15-year-old girls that were in foster care. He was a DFACS caseworker. Suddenly he disappeared and nobody could find him. So when Nancy said, Rookie, can you find him? I found him four weeks later south, uh, just south of Dallas in Texas. He's now about to be served. He's going, to, he's going to have to answer for what he did. So Nancy was about to announce that. We had to keep it under wraps because we had hidden cameras and we had me down there in, kind of in harm's way looking for this guy. So we now are going to expose that system and DFAC just got sued for this. This little girl who's now 23 it's going to make a great witness. Uh, we actually we actually waited to her birthday to, to file it. So uh, Nancy wanted that. That was her number one case. Um, but is it that suspicious that you're finally uh, honing in on these people and suddenly the, the, they both get killed? Well, it's not. Uh, I can tell you from experience that the cases that Nancy would, the attorneys would call me in and Nancy would call me in, and the, the turmoil and the horror that we see every day it's just, you, you got to be about you see demons. We not we hardly ever get any good news. And Nancy had really been weighing on her. And uh, last Saturday before all this happened, the Saturday prior to her death, we were filming in Atlanta. And she had said, I said, it's not a day. I said, bring all your families in. And some of the families found out I was going to be there. And they flew in from Texas and Montana uh, to spend 30 minutes with me. And Nancy sat right there beside me. And we listened to every one of them, filmed them. And I took a break. And I walked outside. And Bruce pulled me off the side like he always does, and we were drinking a bottle of water, and he said, you know how important this is to her that you've, that you've done this? I said, yeah, I do. He said, and he said these words, and I didn't catch on at that point. He said, no matter what, Wilkie, you get this out there. Don't you let anybody or anything stop you. I said, I'm not going to, Bear. And he said, that's what Nancy wants. 
So I went back inside not even thinking anything. Uh, that often encourages us to finish. Uh, we wrapped up that day at about 7 o'clock that night. Uh, I talked with Nancy and then uh, and actually had dinner with them. And then but he's, talking, everybody that knew him said he was a great guy. Are you saying? He is. He is. Oh, you're saying, me. well, why would he? You're, but, I mean, to be clear, you're saying Nancy, from talking to investigators, didn't know he was going to shoot her in the back? I mean, that doesn't no, sound... She had no clue, and it's not just from talking to investigators. Uh, but if he's a nice guy, why, why does he kill his wife? Well, you fast forward to Wednesday prior to this, we got a big court hearing, and it went bad for the family. And so I called everybody together in the room, and this person that's investigating it was there, sitting right beside Nancy, and we made a plan on how to help this little girl out. Nancy asked me to walk her to the car. So I did, and Bruce came down, and we talked for a moment. He said, do you need us anymore? Do you need any more film or pictures? I said, I've got everything I need there. He said, get this out. I said, okay. Now, what's not being told in the papers, and I'm going to be very careful how I say this, Alex, because you've got to be the family. You've got to respect the family. But in those letters to the children, I'm sure it explained to them why he did this. Now, I don't agree with his motive, but their finances, uh, without me getting into it, was the, the, the main reason. Uh, uh, there's a story about cancer. Bruce had cancer several years ago. Uh, his health had been a little bit failing, but Nancy had never said again that it was cancer again, just that his health was failing. But I, in my opinion, and this is my opinion, from what I've seen, is they lost money in bank stocks, whatever they had invested, their money invested in. And I don't think she knew to the degree of how bad it was. I think it was being a smoke was being kept from her. That's my opinion from what I've seen. And he just kind of took matters in his own hand because of the stuff that she goes through on a daily basis, uh, he made a decision that he should have discussed with her, and I can promise you that Nancy Schaefer... Nancy so you're Schaefer saying he was watching her so tore up watching these pedophiles having their way with the kids and the government not being able to be stopped that she was so depressed and they were broke that he just said, I'm going to get her out of this right now? Well, I'm not going to use the word depressed or broke. I'm just, I am going to say that it, this, this job is hard on you, and it's a 24-hour day. There's nights you don't sleep, and me and Nancy, when you talk about it, this was her life. If you were around Nancy, this is what she talked about. How do we help this family? How do we help this family? Well, because child? it was her life, let's leave that now, and I still think yeah. it should be investigated, but I know you're a credible guy. I've seen all the great work you've done. Okay, so you heard that side. I don't buy it. I'm sorry. I, I don't buy his story. Um, and here's why I don't buy it. For these very reasons that we're going to be looking at right now regarding the other side of the oddities regarding this case. Um, Oddities and Nancy Schaefer's suicide case. It's from a guy named Garland Favorito. From March 30th. <clears throat> On Friday, former Senator Jan Nancy Schaefer and her husband were found dead in their homes in Habersham County, even before GBI investigation could be initiated. Before it, be it could be initiated, media outlets began pronouncing that the death was a murder-suicide, quote, and shut off most of public comment posting on their websites. Why would they do that? Well, it sounds like a cover-up to me. This is exactly what they do. You get one side of the story, and that's it. Going further, uh, the murder-suicide theory implies that Senator Schaefer's husband shot her and then killed himself, or vice versa. Both Habersham County and the Georgia Bureau of Investigation began investigating the case as a murder-suicide rather than the more obvious murder made to look like a suicide. Like so many people I've known, and this is from the man writing this, I've known former Senator Nancy Schaefer for 15 years and spoken to several people who know her better than I do. They believe that the murder-suicide theory is highly unlikely for any one of the following reasons that we're getting ready to list here. Number one, it is totally against Nancy Schaefer's consistent strong commitment to the sanctity of life principles that she fought so valiantly to uphold. Number two, Nancy and her husband Bruce have five children and more than a dozen grandchildren who they would not choose to leave behind so abruptly. Three, Bruce's problem with cancer was corrected and under control, so there was no reason to end his life as one senator tried to imply. Remember, because that was what this man just said. Four, Nancy or Bruce would not likely agree to commit such an act that violates the fundamental principles of their Christian faith. Five, Bruce was retired and the couple did not appear to be in any type of dire financial crisis that would lead them to commit such acts. Six, Bruce and Nancy knew that her sister, who had Alzheimer's disease, needed her to help take care of, needed them to help take care of her. Seven, 
Friends who knew the couple best state that Bruce would simply not have the capability to kill his wife. Uh, eight, Nancy was dedicated as a national leader to help needy people overcome abuse within child protective service organizations. Nine, Nancy was actively exposing corruption within the Department of Families and Child Services, including actions by the DFS director in the county where she lived. Ten, Nancy knew that she was needed in the fight against child sex slave trafficking in Atlanta, which is one of the highest activity rates in the country. Eleven, Bruce was highly supportive of Nancy's work for decades and would have little or no known reason to suddenly try to kill her at such a critical juncture in their career. I mean, does this make sense to anyone? Specifically in Georgia, former Senator Nancy Schaefer had found during the last few years that um, in Georgia, housed children in Georgia housed children in foster home with a known pedophile who molested the children. In Habersham County, uh, they failed to remove six children from being from a home where they were being abused and tortured. In Georgia, uh, they turned over two girls over to California father who had pornographic video business. A report that Nancy Schaefer produced on these remarkable cases can be found here. And I'll make sure the, the uh, fightcps.com, but it's a video you can actually, uh, or a report you can actually access on this link. Nancy Schaefer was also interviewed extensively. Uh, by talk show host Alex Jones about the corruption in the CPS nationally, uh, which we just listened to most of it. In addition, Senator Schaefer led opposition to HB 582 and SB 304, two bills introduced by fellow Republicans that would have likely resulted in increasing child sex slave trafficking. Republicans that were going to introduce this bill. These bills would have made it legal for teenagers to participate in illicit sex acts. The bills effectively remove the legal authority that police now have to pick up teenagers and get them into protective custody so they can no longer be pimped for those sex acts. This goes on and on and on, this this article. So, you know, I'm sorry, but I, I don't buy it. I don't buy this whole murder-suicide thing. It doesn't make any sense um, whatsoever. So, let's go ahead. I'm going to finish one more thing here, and then we'll go to the part three next. This relates to this in, in a certain extent. And I reported uh, last week, I believe, was on the uh, lawsuit claiming the Boy Scouts cover-up of sex abuse. And we, we got in, and that was from the Associated Press, about how the lawyer said that they showed files that the organization has covered up for decades, the Boy Scouts. The trial is significant because the files could offer a rare window into how the organization has responded into sex abuse by scout leaders. And uh, there was literally um, attorney for a man who was allegedly molested in the 80s by a scout leader obtained about a thousand Boy Scout sex files and expected to release some of them when the trial began on March 17th. We reported on that last week. I mean, just sick, sick. But if you weren't informed about the Boy Scouts before that, I'd reported on the Girl Scouts. How? I mean, most people thought, oh, it's this nice, wholesome organization. You know, and I'm not saying people haven't been benefited, and this goes, but again, whenever you have children in the mix, you're going to have a certain segment of the population that is absolutely demonically, totally possessed. I would have to say, you have to be possessed to be literally conniving to do something where you're trying to have sex with children. Um, you're going to have a certain sect of the population that is going to put themselves in that position where they can be around those children. And so, you know, again, if you don't know about it, how would you even know to pray against it? This one is from um, a listener of mine named Clint, and um, it's the Boy Scouts and the Freemasons, just a letter he wrote. He writes some really insightful things. Uh, He was the one that wrote about the junk DNA, about debunking that. And he has a high amount of knowledge in the, in the uh, area of molecular biology and microbiology. And he, he was the one that had made that very insightful statement about junk DNA um, in some of the previous teachings I've done. And then he, he goes on to say, I wasn't surprised to hear about the Boy Scout molestation scandal in your most recent teaching. And now what I did is I reposted that link below this little paragraph. He said, the founder of the Boy Scouts, the British General Robert Baden-Powell, was a member of the Scottish Rite Temple and probably thought of the Boy Scouts as a recruiting tool for future members. Here's a quick introduction to the issue here. It gives a whole history of this guy, this devil, 
started the Boy Scouts. There's plenty of other disgusting things about Bowden-Powell out there, but the connection to Freemasonry is all I need to know. Additionally, the Boy Scouts of America are highly integrated with the Mormons. And, again, one other cult out there. And given how the beginnings of that group are so tightly tied to the Masons, no surprise there either. And you have all these groups out there, like the Mormons and the Freemasons and the Boy Scouts, which on the surface appears these upright, upstanding organizations. You know, and on the... But that's how they look on the outside. Inwardly, they're ravening wolves. I mean, I'm talking about at the very, very head, and many of the people that were... Not all the people that obviously volunteer for these things. Not, and I'm not saying every Mormon's this wicked, ravening person. I'm not saying that. I'm saying at the top, though. At the top, you're always going to find corruption. And they're going to want to come off with this nice, wonderful veneer. But unfortunately, um, it's like Jesus said, you know, on the outside they're like white and sepulchers, but on the inside they're like uh, full of dead men's bones, okay? And when he was describing the Pharisees and the Sadducees. So this is how these organizations would present themselves, real nice on the outside, but inwardly, you know, they're full of corruption and wickedness uh, on many different levels. So... He says, I'm not a parent, but I can see how any Bible-believing Christian could let her, his or her kids involved with Boy Scouting if he knew uh, about this organization. So, again, you know, it's another warning regarding that. I, I hate to have to put all these out, but <laughs> I can in good conscience not do it. So we're going to end part two there. We'll go to part three next.